Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in the book of Revelation, and we're going to begin a study on the letters of Jesus Christ uh, dictated to the Apostle John of the seven churches which are in Asia Minor, which today is modern Turkey. And, of course, the very first church on the list is the uh, church at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is located on the uh, western coast, right there, a GNC, and it was a tremendous uh, city. It was a city that was uh, open to all types of shipping, large ships. It was also a city that uh, was connected by highways that went throughout the province. Uh, so this was a very prosperous city, but it was also a city very advantageous to the Apostle Paul to begin his labors there. Now, Paul went there first in his second missionary journey, but he didn't stay. He did so on his way back to the church at Antioch, and soon after began his third missionary journey. Well, Ephesians, uh, I mean, Ephesus, that was the first uh, city that he really stopped at and uh, and had a tremendous revival there, tremendous revival. So before we uh, begin, let's pray. Father, blessings upon your word. We give you thanks for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And let the words of our mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, who is our strength. You are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at this uh, tremendous revival here for just a few moments. And this revival at Ephesus is found in Acts chapter 19. And we're going to read the first uh, 20 verses. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. Okay, so we don't despise a day of small beginnings, do we? Praise God. 12 men saved. But we're going to see how this uh, this 12 multiplies greatly. And verse 8, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so, 
And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many people came now. Look, verse 18 now. And many people came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. The curious arts now are occult books, is what they are, witchcraft. Now, this is a tremendous revival. And uh, we know this by the fact that uh, in verse 19, there was this tremendous book burning and the number of books, the price of them came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Hey, man, think about that. 50,000 pieces of silver. Well, a Roman silver coin was equal or was called a drachma and it was uh, weighed 4.3 grams. Now, we know that one ounce of silver is equal to 28.35 grams. So 28.35 grams of silver, one ounce divided by 4.3 grams is 6.6 .6 drachma per coin. <laughs> I mean, 6.6 .6 drachma per ounce. And so 50,000 pieces divided by 6.6, .6, that's 7,575 0.75 ounces of silver, and that will equal to almost 150,000 U.S. dollars. Now think about that. 150,000 U.S. dollars went up in smoke that day. <laughs> Praise God. Now, if you go on Amazon or any one of the online marketplaces and you get the average uh, price of an occult book, it'll come to around 20 bucks. So what that means is that well over almost 7,500 books were thrown under that fire and burned. Now, if you stacked books, 7,500 books in stacks, I don't know how high the stack would be. What do you think that would, how big of a space? Well, I think it would pretty much take up a 50 by 50 foot room. That's how many books were burned. But now here's the important thing. If just one person each brought a book to be burned, that would be over 7,000 people, 7,000 people, 7,500 people that attended that book burning. But now wait a minute. Verse 19 says many of them who were saved, they came with their occult books. Not all of them, many of them, most of them. We'll say most of them, maybe three-fourths of them. So you can imagine that uh, this 7,500 could very well have been 10,000, maybe even more. Well, what if each each person that brought a book brought him, with him a family of, uh, of three? <laughs> you can see how many people, Paul beginning with 12, multiplied this area, this city with believers 
in the tens, possibly even in the 20,000 area. And it's all because he wouldn't quit. I mean, he did this for two whole years. He'd wake up in the morning. He'd be at the uh, marketplace at noon. He'd, he'd work until 11. Uh, he'd, he'd go home. He'd eat lunch, perhaps. Uh, I know he would pray in the, at, the, uh, at the second hour at noon. Actually, that would have been the, the uh, third watch, 6, 9, and then 12. And then he went over to the school of Tyrannus and he taught over there and debated and persuaded people until the school closed, probably around four or five o'clock. And then he uh, went to wherever he was staying and for, uh, you know, a couple hours rested. And then at, at night he would go from house to house and he preached the gospel. And more than likely he would preach until maybe midnight and then get up and do it all over again and did it faithfully for two years. And Paul tells us over in the book of Corinthians that talking about at Ephesus for a great and effectual door has been opened unto me and there are many adversaries. So it was a great fight, a great struggle. But look at the results. Hallelujah. No wonder the, uh, uh, the writer Luke recorded so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Prevailed against what? A prayer. A prevailed against all of the work of the enemy. Paul overcame. Hallelujah. And he did that, praise God, because he had it in his mind. Uh, the Jesus serving the Jesus who loved him. Amen. Who intervened uh, in his life on the road to Damascus and in a moment of time changed his life completely. And so this is really what we're talking about here uh, when we're talking about the the uh, Paul, uh, Jesus letter uh, to the church at Ephesus. There's two things that stand out in uh, in what G in Jesus letter to this church that are relevant for you and I today. So we'll begin uh, Revelation chapter two, verse one unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. Right. These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand. Those are the seven angels. And who walks or messengers will say it messengers and who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's the seven churches that Jesus is sending this circular letter out to. Uh, so we're talking here about the glorified Christ. Verse two, Jesus says, and he's dictating to John, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how that cannot bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Now, the word know there means to see with the eyes. It means to perceive with the senses. It means to discern. So Jesus knew everything about the church at Ephesus. He knew from A to Z and everything in between. And he commends them. But notice that everything that Jesus talks about has to do with something that the church is doing externally. And I'm telling you, if we're going to be an effective witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we're really going to be saved, something is going to have to happen on the inside. Amen. Now look at verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. So externally, the Ephesian church looked pretty good. But internally, the church was in horrible shape. 
And when Jesus says, I have somewhat against thee, thee <laughs> wow, that means this is not a trifle. Jesus is literally saying this. He's saying, I hold these things against you. We could say it this way. I'm standing against you because you've left your first love. And the church at Ephesus, they left their first love. Amen. The word left means to send away. It means to divorce. Outwardly, they were married to Christ. Inwardly, they were divorced from him. That is horrible. So when you're husband, when you're Christian husband, when you're sitting at the dinner table and your wife is sitting down with you at the other end of the table and she looks up at you and she says, John, do you love me? And John says, well, of course I love you. You know, I work hard. I get a paycheck. I bring it home so you can buy and take care of the kids. You can buy groceries and and, you know, buy you a new set of clothes every once in a while. You know, I, I, I bought you a car. I've done all these things. I, I, I bought this house for you. And the wife says, yeah, I know that. But John, do you love me? See, husbands, we do all these external things. But what we've done is we have forgotten our first love. We've forgotten how we first fell in love with our wife and how we used to court her and we used to hold her hand and and we would put our arm around her and and uh, couldn't couldn't stand being away from her. Well, what happened? And this is the danger of the church today. Familiarity oftentimes breeds contempt. Jesus saves us. We fall in love with Jesus. But over time, we get into a works thing. We get into a, a duty thing. We get into a place where we're just going through the motions. You know, and we and we, and we pass it off and we say, you know, uh, yeah, I love the Lord. You know, I pay my tithe and I go to church and even sometimes I go back to church on Sunday night. You know, I, I love the Lord. But do we really? Have we left our first love? And then verse five, Jesus says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. Notice that to fall means to descend from a higher place to a lower one. That's what it means. Oh, I tell you what, we were living the high life when we first got saved. I tell you, everything was beautiful. Praise God, a brand new life. Everything was exciting. And then we just started sitting in a pew Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. We quit doing the first works. What did we do? We fell. We descended from a higher place to a lower place to a lower place. And Jesus says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. In other words, turn around. Turn around. Remember the first love. Remember your first love. And do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Do you know how many churches in the United States of America are dying 
quite a few. Churches that used to be on fire. But now there's only one or two left and they're holding on. Well, what's going to happen when they pass on? I remember one church involved in a mighty movement. And I tell you, the thing, spirit of God was moving and then people started falling away, started dying away. And it got down to this one uh, elderly woman. And when she passed, they closed the doors. Now they only talk about that church in the past tense. See, if if this is our case, if we know that we're not where we're supposed to be with the Lord, it's time to repent. It's time to turn around. And then Jesus goes on and says, but this thou hast, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life. Notice that, the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The tree of life. The tree of life was in the garden of God in the very beginning. After God had formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed the breath of life in him, he became a living soul. His name was called Adam. And then God made a help mate for him, you know, pulled a bone out of Adam's side and made woman, Adam and Eve, man and woman, placed him in the garden. And God would come down in the cool of the day. And he would share fellowship and intimate relationship and uh, fellowship with his creation, with his Adam and Eve. He'd walk with them in the garden. Can you imagine the things that they would talk about? I imagine Adam knew all about creation, all about the handiwork of God. But see, that fateful day when Eve bit that forbidden fruit and Eve gave that fruit to Adam and he partook of it. See, they left their first love. They quit doing the first works. And see, what Jesus, what I believe Jesus is conveying here. Uh, he's revealing this same thought uh, to this church. You know, Jesus is the one that walks in the midst of the churches. Jesus is the one that walks and knocks on the door of the churches and wants them to open up the door so he can come into them and sup with them and, and they sup with him. And just as Satan deceived Adam and Eve into falling and losing out in their communion with the Lord and, and moving away from turning their back on the first works. I believe the devil is doing the same thing in the churches today. Lulling them to sleep, moving them away, turning them away from the first works. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what are the first works? What are they? Well. Jesus said, nevertheless, I have something against you because you've left your first love. He said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly. I will come to you quickly and re will remove your lamp out of its place except you repent. Now, when, when the scripture says I will come to you quickly, now that's not our time. That's God's time. But now Jesus said to the church, you've left your first love. So the first love of every believer is Jesus. He's the one 
Amen. That we are to love. And Jesus said this. You know, when he was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And Jesus said, uh, we are to love God with all of us, the whole person, that this is the first commandment and the greatest of the commandment. And Jesus said to his disciples just before he went to Calvary, just before he was arrested, he says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So we ha so we're we're asking our, and have to ask ourselves this question. Are we keeping God's commandments? Are we doing those things that are pleasing in his sight? Jesus also said, and the second commandment is like, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he said, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. <laughs> so Jesus is our first love. He's the one that we wake up every day. We throw him a big giant kiss of praise and we love him. We love him throughout the day. We draw close to him in prayer and in meditation and in his word. And we love him by doing the first works. So what are the first works? Well, Jesus just told us it's obedience to his commandments and trusting in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like when you fall in love with somebody, you're willing to do whatever they want you to do. Why? Because you want to please. You want to do those things that are pleasing in that person's sight. Well, we, do, we are to do the same thing with our Heavenly Father and with our Savior, the Lord Jesus. John said this. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And so what are those things that we do that are pleasing in his sight? Well, it's loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. The whole duty of man is to what is to love God and to enjoy him forever. To love God and to enjoy him forever. <laughs> That's our whole duty. Praise God. Everything else uh, comes after. Faithfulness to church, paying tithes, you know, church membership, getting involved in Sunday school, uh, getting involved in after school program. Things, all that comes after loving God and enjoying him forever. John also said this, and this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Then he says, herein, love, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, I don't know what your life is like. 
You know, I don't know what type of demands are upon your your time. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's robbing you of your time. But I do know this, that people will always have time and money for what's important to them. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how important is our time when it comes to spending that time with the Lord? If the Lord is our first love, then we don't give him some of our time. We give him our time. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what are the first works? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Love God, love others. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections of love. Why do we do that? Because we love God. We love Jesus. Hallelujah. He laid his life down for us. Why can't we lay our life down for him? And then Paul said this, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. So what are the first works? Well, the very first work is to be born again. So if you're listening to this broadcast, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life. Understand this, that God loved you. And way before you've ever made a decision what you were going to do with God, God had already made a decision what he was going to do with you. He was going to love you. That's his choice. It's not dependent upon anything that you've done. It's dependent upon what God has done through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew exactly what he was going to do with you. His will is and his purpose is for you to be saved. Amen. See, that's the first note of God's love is when we understand what he gave for us so that we might be where he is. The first work. Well, it's to tell others once we've got born again, it's to tell others what great things the Lord has done for us and how he has had great compassion on us. It's to tell others that Jesus saves. That's how we really love people. That's how we love people. As we just tell them what Jesus has done for us. You know, Scripture tells us over 200 times to love God. Over 200 times to love God. It also tells us how to love him. He is our first love. And we love him by doing the first works. Amen. Just remember, what's our whole duty? Is to love God and to enjoy him forever. If we'll do these things, <laughs> these first works, everything else will come along. Amen. In fine fashion. Praise God. Father, we love you. Oh, we love you. For those sinners out there that never know you, Father, I pray for them right now that they'll open up their heart to receive you, repent of sin, ask Christ to come into heart life. And we love you, Father. We thank you for first loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.